0: people. really miss people. We've the missions committee created. Okay. <laughs> all right. Let's open up in a word of prayer. So far, so good. First service, none of this worked, so let's give thanks. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers from the first service. Thank you for uh, people coming together, Scott, helping there in the sound booth and getting all together with Mark and Doug and Vicki. Lord, we thank you for such a awesome children's service there. Thank you for working in the midst of the children, giving them courage and being able to deliver the gospel message to all the adults and their parents as well and the invited grandmas and grandparents too. Lord, we're just so blessed to be a part of uh, your purpose in our lives. I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through me and as we look at this passage, which is an interesting passage about your Holy Spirit, I pray that your Holy Spirit would stir the hearts here this morning as it's stirring mine. And that people that may not know you may want to know you and invite you into their lives this morning. And those that may have gone cold a bit, may be stirred and a fire lit inside of them about Christmas and what you did, Lord. So we just thank you for this time and we pray that this message impacts the hearts and minds of many. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we're going to look at Luke chapter 12, verses 8 through 12. And as Kevin said, this card here, make sure you have one. It's, uh, you don't have to have this to come to the service. It's, it's not your invitation to present at the door. It's actually for you to give out to somebody. Give it to somebody. Invite them th- this Christmas Eve to come to our service. It's going to be fantastic. We have 35 in the choir, three solo singers. Um, we're going to do communion up the front here. We'll have five tables to serve communion. So invite your families friends and neighbors. I was really blessed this week. Um, Pastor Jake and I went to visit uh, Vic Hoff and Bonnie Hoff and she shared a story. They're in both separate homes and Bonnie's fallen and broken her wrist and so we visited with her and she shared a story about how her husband, every night, phones her and talks to her and then says three things to her when he's about to end his conversation. How much he loves her and that. And... um, She visited him the next day. And when she visited him there, she met his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend from way back. So she went in and told him, wow, your ex-girlfriend is in the same home as you're in, you know. That night when she went back to her home, he phoned to say goodnight and went through these three things. But the third one he changed. He said, I just want you to know I only have eyes for you. You know, at their age, that love, that commitment, they recite their vows they're just an amazing couple to visit with. Um, just that, ah, oh, just incredible. And what they're going through for their health and that, yet they, their love is awesome. And, uh, this is what Jesus wants from us too. Last week, I left you two questions at the end of my sermon, and they were, what occupies your mind? And what occupies your heart? The title of my sermon, Everyone Who Confesses Me, Before men, everyone, that is every single one of us, even our children who did a fantastic job of sharing the gospel with you. Look what it says there, everyone, none of us are left out with this. But I want you to think about this. What is occupying your mind and your heart right now coming towards this Christmas time? You need to think about that because if you're not filling your mind with the story about Jesus. What does Christmas actually mean? And what does it mean to you personally and what He did for you? Because that should make your heart pretty tender, pretty emotional, pretty sensitive. And this love that Christ wants us to exude out should be ready to be shared. What is Christmas? But if you're allowing other things to occupy your mind and your heart with nothing to do with the gospel or what Jesus Christ came to do then how are you going to impact your neighbors and friends last week we also looked at jesus talking about hypocrisy people that are wearing a mask if you remember people that are acting one way in church and living it out in a completely different manner at home and at work their life does not match the fruit of the spirit Isaiah rightly prophesied in Isaiah twenty nine thirteen, and he said, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's got to be from the heart. Deep within your heart. Philip Yancey's book, Seeing the Invisible God, he writes, Humans can perceive only 30% of the range of the sun's light and one-seventieth of the spectrum of electromagnetic energy. Many animals exceed those abilities. Bats detect insects by sonar. Pigeons navigate by magnetic fields. Bloodhounds perceive a world of smell unavailable to us. Perhaps the spiritual or unseen world requires senses activated only through some sort of spiritual quickening. As Jesus said, No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. And the apostle Paul said, the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him and cannot, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Both expressions here. Sorry, lost my. Uh, Both expressions here tell us that some truths are available only to a person who is spiritually alive. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9, 12, and 13, it says, But just as it is written, these things, which eyes has not seen and ears not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but those taught by the Spirit. I want you to remember this. Those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. So let's look at this passage together. If you'd open your Bibles to Luke chapter 12 and follow along with me. You're going to read verses 8 through 12. Okay, you ready? And it says, And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before the angels. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven of him. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. When when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. There are two clear commands in this passage for us. Confess the Son of Man openly, boldly, freely. And you remember last Sunday, we looked at verse 5. Look with me at verse 5. What does it say there? It says, But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear the one who after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So think about what we're reading here. Verse 8, it says, And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, who do you fear? We have to take this and think about what we read last week and what we're hearing here now. It's very important. The other point is, he's saying, don't worry about defending yourself. The Holy Spirit will teach you what you ought to say. You see, the phrase... And I say to you, Mark's a transition from last week, what we read about Jesus. His thoughts are changing now, his flow of thought. And he's saying, the means to honor the Father is to honor the Son. And as we've been looking at this, it's quite interesting. I don't plan my sermons in advance, but as I thought about this sermon and seeing the timing of this, how important it is for us coming to Christmas. What are we going to share at Christmas? What is Christmas about? What is occupying your mind and heart? Are we ready to glorify God this Christmas? He also says in John chapter 5 verse 23, He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent me. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. Do you love Jesus? It's very interesting how throughout Luke we've seen how Jesus has shown us how to come before God. How he comes before them to pray, to seek God, and everything he's done. He's leading an example for man to follow. And now he's starting to introduce the Holy Spirit here. Something new. In 1 John chapter 4, Verse 14 to 15, it says, We, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, what is occupying your mind and your heart? What is Christmas all about? The term everyone is all-inclusive. It's all of us. Every single one of us. Only the one who confesses the Son, which is Jesus, before men, honors God. Confess, or in the NIV it says, acknowledges. Translates a form of a verb which literally means to agree or to say the same thing. To confess Christ, to affirm what is true about His person, His works, and His word. It's also to accept the father's testimony. Do you remember what the father said about his son? He said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. It's a very important passage here at this time of the year. Are we going to confess Jesus Christ, the Son of God? And confess with the mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in the heart that God raised him from the dead. This confessing, this acknowledgement, involves more than simply a, just a verbal confession. It involves a witness of both word and deed. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them. See, the whole thing, is, that, as we've been going through Luke, and everything that is, as you're looking at the word, he wants you to be mobilized. He wants you out confessing the Son of God. He wants you out sharing the truth about the Son of God. This public confession is to be accompanied by a life of obedience to God's commandments. We're seeing over and over what He's commanding us to do, what He wants us involved in. But what is occupying your mind and your heart that stops you from doing that? To reach out to our neighbors and friends. See, the Pharisees were criticized because their personal lives did not match their call. Their profession, what they were involved in, does not match. They were not showing the fruit of the Spirit. They were living a masked life. They were hypocrites. In contrast, believers are challenged to live out their lives that reveals a heart that has the understanding of what Jesus has done for them. We need to take a moment... And, and go back to, how did you get here? What kind of life had you been living without Him? You remember I shared the verse in Jeremiah. How Jeremiah said, I, I just can't hold this in anymore. I'm on fire inside. My bones are burning. I can't hold this in anymore. I have to let it out. Your passion for Jesus Christ, when he, I mean, he came as a baby, lived on earth, started his ministry and headed towards the cross for us. There was no way else for us to get to be with the Father and the Son. Huge gift this Christmas. In contrast, as I said, the believers' lives must match what's in their heart. We need to confess Jesus Christ. We need to show the understanding that we have about Him. His love. And our love and our life has to exhibit that. We have gained the knowledge of the Word. And now He is introducing to us the Holy Spirit to teach us how to live a life that is honoring to what Jesus did on the cross. Are we really revealing a transformed life? A born again person? He is saying, everyone who confesses me before men. So here is the challenge. Are we going to do that? Whether a person confesses or does not confess Christ will determine a person's destiny, eternal destiny. On the one hand, if a person confesses him before men, the Son of Man will confess him before the angels of God. But on the other hand, Jesus warned that if the person denies him before men, he will be not denied before the angels of God. Angels are frequently associated with judgment in the New Testament. Angels of God are also the indirectness for God. In Matthew's account, in uh Chapter 10, verse 32, it says, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Huge importance here about what we're to do with the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. This verse, though a warning, is also a promise too, in the midst of it. To acknowledge Jesus as Savior is to be acknowledged as his follower. Those who fail to genuinely confess Christ as Lord will one day hear Him say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The sure way to miss out on heaven is to deny Christ. And these scribes and Pharisees have done just that. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. So you've got to be asking yourself all the time, what is the will of the Father? We've got to understand the commandments of what He's telling us to do. And we are looking at a passage right here, now, which is saying, Confess the Son of Man, which is right around Christmas. God sent His only, His one and only Son to die for people Worldwide. And salvation is offered to all the people. But again, every individual has to make a choice. They must choose whether or not to accept God's offer. Jesus clearly explains that anyone who publicly confesses faith in him will find that the Son of Man will openly acknowledge that person in the presence of God's angels. Verse 10, it says, Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, let's have a look at that together, It will be forgiven of him. Interesting. These words mean speaking against the person of Jesus. And it can be forgiven. Why would he do that? And looking at this time that he's saying this with his disciples and the people around him. This insult might be based on total ignorance. Because he shared with his disciples over and over what is going to take place with him. But they're still not getting the picture. And so this is before the resurrection. They didn't completely understand this. And remember Paul, what he did to the way as it's described at his time. Which was the name for the Christians at that point. He persecuted them. He hunted them down, put in jail. And he was forgiven. But it says there in verse 10. But He who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. Anyone who speaks blasphemies against the Holy Spirit continually rejects the Holy Spirit's message about Jesus and his convicting influence will never be forgiven. Whoever rejects the prompting of the Holy Spirit removes himself from the only force that can lead anyone to repentance and restoration with God. That, ha- that act has eternal consequences for them. William Hendrickson does a splendid job explaining this. Most of us call this the unpardonable sin. He says it this way. He says, their sin is unpardonable because they are unwilling to tread the path that leads to pardon. For a thief and an adulterer and a murderer, there is hope. The message of the gospel may cause them to cry out, O God, be merciful to me, the sinner. But when a man has become hardened so that he has made up his mind, not to pay any attention to the promptings of the Spirit, not even to listen to his pleading and warning voice, he has placed himself on the road that leads to hell. We have discussed the one to fear the one to confess the Son. And the Lord introduces here the one to hear the Holy Spirit. So far we've seen the Father is the one whose holy law has been violated. The Son is the one whose death paid the penalty for the violation that satisfied God's wrath. And the Holy Spirit is the one whose revelation about the Father's law, the Son's death, must be received. Just as Christ perfectly revealed the Father, so also does the Holy Spirit perfectly reveal Christ, both in scriptures and the work of regeneration. John Piper observes in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, he says, Jesus is the litmus test of reality for all persons in all religions. He said it clearly, the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. People and religions who reject Christ reject God. Do other religions know the true God? Here is the test. Do they reject Jesus as the only Savior for sinners who was crucified and raised by God from the dead? If they do, they do not know God in a saving way. That is what Jesus meant when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Or when he said, Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Or when he said to the Pharisees, If God were your Father, you would love me. It's what the Apostle John meant when he said, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Or when he said, Everyone who does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. There is no point in romanticizing other religions that reject the deity and saving work of Christ. They do not know God. And those who follow them tragically waste their lives. The Holy Spirit is the author of Scripture. Oops. Oh, we having problems again. Yep, there we go. It says, therefore, prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God, as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Those who confess Christ do so because they have heard and believed the truth about Him that is revealed in Scripture. To blaspheme the Holy Spirit is to reject His testimony concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit reveals the truth of salvation in Christ and those who speak evil of that revelation as the Pharisees had done. Reject the testimony of the Holy Spirit of Christ, having cut themselves off from the only source of divine saving truth that cannot be saved. The the author of Hebrews, in chapter 6, verse 4, says, For in this case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gifts and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance. Since they again crucified to themselves the Son of God and put Him to open shame. Those who have received that warning had seen all the evidence of the Holy Spirit. They had heard the preaching of the gospel with its offer of grace, mercy, and forgiveness and witnessed the miraculous signs performed by the apostles. That confirmed that they, that their message was from God. Since they rejected all that the Holy Spirit had revealed concerning the Son and the Savior, this is a willful rejection of Jesus Christ as Savior. They will not be forgiven. This sin of blasphemy blasphemy against the Holy Spirit has worried many sincere Christians. The unforgivable sin means attributing to Satan the work of the Holy Spirit's accomplishes, what the Holy Spirit accomplishes. Thus, the unforgivable sin is a deliberate and ongoing rejection of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's work, and even of God Himself. There is absolutely no provision for forgiveness of sins apart from the gospel of Christ. Those who reject it face a terrifying expectation of judgment, eternal punishment, of hell. That awaits them. Those that turn their back on the truth of Jesus Christ are going going there. We have the truth, we have the knowledge, the understanding, and we should have the wisdom. And it's very, very important this time of the year to be thinking about what is occupying our minds and our hearts. What is detracting from us the time to be ready to share the word. interesting this year as I finished the book of Acts and it's come up in my mind now again, that this year something really stood out and never stood out before. And it's when, when Stephen was stoned and he died and then the apostles were scattered. Jesus had told them that they needed to take the word of God Jerusalem to Samaria, to Judea and to the ends of the earth. But they didn't. They stayed clustered together till Stephen was killed. And then they scattered. They started preaching the word of God, sharing the gospel, and many were saved. And Peter John heard about Philip doing an incredible job. They were receiving the word and they were being baptized. So they went to go and visit and see this great spread of the gospel. But when they got there, they noticed something was wrong. And they asked, what happened here? They said, well, we we heard the message and we believe and we were baptized. What do you mean you were baptized? Baptized what? Under John the Baptist's baptism. They had not received the Holy Spirit. Peter and John looked at this and said, there's something wrong here. They noticed that they hadn't been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They hadn't fully understood the whole thing. And then it says, they laid hands and prayed and the Holy Spirit came upon them. Interesting. As I'm reading this about the importance Jesus is introducing right now to us and to, at this period of time, the Holy Spirit and His importance here. Look at verses 11 and 12 with me. It says here, When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. Now look at this very carefully here. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. The Holy Spirit will teach you. I want you to think about this for a time. The Holy Spirit will teach you. And when you view your life and you review how the the Word tells you, how you can identify your life and how you're walking with your life, the fruit of the Spirit. How is your life living out? What is it like? Does it reflect a godly man, a godly woman? And then it challenged me, why would you put this past, why would Jesus say this after starting off with, and I say to everyone who confesses me before men, and then he puts this in here, and what are we seeing in this nation here and other nations around the world? Do not bring your religion to work. Get the Bible out the school. Do not use the Bible in the court. Who do we fear? And look what he's saying. And if you think about this, this is what's going to happen to you. You start confessing Jesus. He's telling you what's going to happen. These kind of people are going to challenge you. But he's saying, do not fear. Because the Holy Spirit will teach you what you ought to say. The Holy Spirit has an important part for believers. This The Spirit will permanently remain there comforting us, strengthening us, teaching us. He, he opens the Word of God to you. And will turn the trials into a blessing. Whatever you face and you're completely in the trust. Of what Jesus is doing in your life. Your trial and tribulation that you face will be a blessing. Think about our missionaries in different countries. What they face. that don't like Christianity. Doesn't want them speaking about Jesus Christ. And they go boldly. Our missionaries are out there boldly professing Jesus Christ. Moses is in an area where the Muslim religion is very powerful. And if you're a Christian, they'll just cut your head off. They'll kill you. That guy's out there sharing Jesus Christ. He doesn't fear, man. He fears what what it does to Jesus if he doesn't do what he's called to do. The Holy Spirit will teach you. I want you to note that. Teach you, not tell you. He will teach you and not tell you what to do. You need to choose to be obedient. You need to listen to what He is teaching in the Word of God. How does this Word convict you? What is it saying to you? How does your life exhibit Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Christ? Are you living out the fruit of the Spirit? Are you confessing Jesus? We're going through all of this. This Word, the Holy Spirit, it should be working in you to challenge you. If you feel discomfort here, it's a good thing. He's working within you to point something out. He will teach you, not tell you, you need to choose to be obedient, trust that inner voice, and speak. Profess Jesus Christ. Tell people about Him. Tell Him why you trust Him. Why do you live the way you do? The Holy Spirit will teach you what you ought to say. Isn't that awesome? Think about the choice of these words here. What you ought to say. Why does he say that? Because most of you aren't going to say it, are you? You should say this, but think about that word. You ought to say. We don't say it, do we? We don't confess him enough. What you ought to say. Also in John Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life, says, God created us to live with a single passion to joyfully display His supreme excellence in all the spheres of life. God calls us to pray and to think and dream and plan and work, not to be made much of, but to make much of Him in every part of our lives. So in closing, as you prepare for Christmas, as you shop for gifts, meet people along the way, what ought you say? Happy holidays or Merry Christmas? Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for that response. Wow. That is your spirit working in the midst of this group here this morning. And as Pastor Jake was saying in prayer time, do we say Merry Christmas to you, Father. Father. Thank you for sending your Son. Thank you for your commitment to reach out and to save mankind. Lord, help everyone in this room to think about allowing your Spirit to teach us what we ought to say this Christmas. Help us to not allow things to occupy our mind that has nothing to do with you. Help us not to allow things To destroy our heart. Help us to forgive this Christmas. Help us to be loyal to one another. You said love one another. And sometimes really hard. And as we see the church age going through a very difficult time. Help us to be loyal to one another. Stand firm with each other. To finish well. Help us to realize the beginning of that verse. Everyone who confesses him. That is Jesus You want us to do this. Lord, help us to be brave and courageous and bold. Help us to hand out a track this Christmas. Help us to invite people to this Christmas Eve service where we're going to sing, where we're going to share the gospel, where we're going to take communion in remembrance of you. Thank you, Father, so much for your love. It's endless. In your holy name I pray. Amen.